everyone. Welcome to Anoa and Brandon's late night special. We got to get it, we got to come up with a, a good name from Brandon and I do this. Um, really excited to be able to actually, one, even be awake right now because it's been a long week. But two, shout out to Benjamin Dixon for, 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 for graciously ending on time so we could come in and, and, and chit chat with you guys for a little bit. Um, Brandon and I are joined tonight by Travis Hill. Like Travis, I don't know that I really need to tell you guys who Travis is because I'm sure. Did I just say Trevor? Did I say Travis? Oh, it's Travis. Like Travis Barkley. The, the shit, it's shit. Trevor. See? See? This is why Anoa needs to go to bed. See? This is for, see aren't you glad you said it for this? <laughs> I said Travis. I have oh, been called Travis by everybody since I was so a little kid. I have messed up. I have messed up and said, you know, how's California? I've now botched his name. Like I get Brendan. Brendan's awful. Like, how do you get how do you get Brandon wrong? <laughs> not you know, Brandon's my middle Brandon. name, actually. Is it? Oh, I like you yeah. already. <laughs> I just, I just, I just call you Brand. See, look, this is I, why old women like me need to be in bed <laughs> and leave it to the young folks. I share, I share a name. I'm with so the new sorry, kid, Trevor. <laughs> it's all good. I oh, totally cool. forgive you. Public enemy, Trevor. Democrat, public <laughs> enemy number one. And, and what's even worse is when we're in the chat in the hangout, his name actually flickers in front of my face. So I'm really like doing bad right now. But that's okay. okay I'm here for comedic fine. relief, right? Like What's it's okay. Not, Somebody has to do it. But no, seriously. So so yeah, Trevor is like the new left folk hero. He got it right that time. But but recently, what it's been like two nights now? It's been two days now? Yeah, since, two days. Is it two days? Two days. Two days ago. Two days ago, I saw a vehicle that could hold that tanker. Oh man, my dad came out. <laughs> but anyway, but but two days ago, CNN held a town hall with Nancy Pelosi, and you were tapped to ask a question. But it's not the right. question that you were supposed to ask. You went rogue. <laughs> what were you supposed to ask? So originally, I submitted a question that was pretty similar to what I actually ended up asking. Uh, when okay. I submitted that, they reached out to me. CNN's representative reached out to me. And uh, she asked me, you know, what my biographical information was, what my political background was. We started going back and forth. She asked for a picture of me. And I started to get really excited. You know, I was like, oh, man, they're going to get let me ask my question. And then a couple days, maybe two days before the town hall, she emailed me again. Oh, do you have any personal questions? Maybe something a little lighthearted about Nancy Pelosi. And I had made it pretty clear already, you know, I wasn't super sympathetic to the Democratic Party. So I was like, you know, mm -hmm. really, you're tapping me for the, the soft question. So I, I ignored the email. And then she called me on my cell phone and asked me, uh, you know, oh, we really want you to ask a question. You know, we'd really like you to ask something personal about her. So I decided, you know, I'd submit a question and then end up asking something that I really wanted to know, which was the first question I asked. And uh, so the question they ended up choosing me to ask was, uh, it was written as follows. Uh, one of my favorite TV programs is the HBO show Veep. In the show, Julia Louis-Dreyfus's character is forced to go to a lot of ridiculous and embarrassing campaign events and uh, in order to secure votes. And I was wondering if you could tell us about a time that you maybe felt ridiculous on the campaign trail and if you'd like to call anybody out for putting you in that situation. About as fluffy as fluffy can get, really. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, that's okay. So that's not so yeah. bad. They didn't ask you to ask her if she was bad and bougie. That would have been way better. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
you know, it was definitely like it could have turned ugly. Like there are plenty of answers to that question that could have been controversial. But uh, you know, the the real question that I wanted to ask was what I ended up asking the night of the the town hall. So, like, dude, but seriously, though, you're on you're on national you're on tel you're you're on national television. You're in front of all these people. <laughs> um, you know. What actually comes over? Like, like what? You're like, yeah, well, I think I'm gonna go off script here. Sorry, sorry, guys, I'm, I'm not doing this. <laughs> like, you I, mean, were I, I was terrified. Question: Were you? You didn't show it. You had I was terrified. Oh my god, you have no idea. So what happened was, so I, I submitted that original question. It was kind of, you know, just right off the top of my head. It wasn't a super refined question. Right. But so then the night of the town hall. What I decided I was going to ask was more along the lines of, you know, what are Democrats doing to sort of appeal to working class families that they sort of lost in this election? Right. Like, you know, we saw the Rust Belt sort of swung for Trump. And what ended up happening was the gentleman who asked his question right before me asked pretty much verbatim exactly what I was going to ask. He was oh, from, okay. he said he was from steel country. So, okay. so he, he, but he was a Republican. But either way, you know, he asked, pretty much what I was going to ask. So I'm standing there with the microphone waiting to ask my question, hearing the guy before me ask my question. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, what the hell am I going to say? So uh, what ended up happening was I just sort of tried to remember what I originally emailed them and I asked that question instead. But uh, yeah, no, I, I was, you know, my palms were super sweaty. I was, I was shaking before the camera panned over to me. It was, it was really nerve wracking. So what did you think of her response, right? So like you said, there's no love lost between you and the yeah. Democrats. And so your question was, you know, your question was very well, it was a very articulate question. You know, you provided, here. Like, here's the details for, you know, my generation, right. uh, you know, statistically have realized the folly of capitalism. What can you right. do as a, you know, leader of the Democrats in the, this, uh, the Congress, or rather in the House, to separate yeah. yourself economically from the Republicans? That basically just is your question. And she right. gave you the answer. Well, <laughs> we're just capitalism. capitalism. <laughs> like, you don't understand. See, uh, my ideology is capitalism, and there's no way to answer that question without a... Uh, right. Yeah. So like, what did no, you, what I mean, you think of her question? So honestly, I was sort of pleasantly surprised. I don't know if pleasant is the right word. I was surprised <laughs> to, to hear her actually, a guess, that's a good word. She, she basically enumerated a lot of the, the concerns that our generation does have with capitalism. You know, right. she, she laid it all out. She didn't supply a very strong defense, but, but she basically said, you know, this is what we've got. It's terrible. So let's go back to what used to be okay, you know. But uh, that definitely wasn't an answer to my question. It seemed like sort of, you know, oh, no, this millennial just asked something really radical, even though what I asked really wasn't radical. I think it was just because I said the word capitalism. She sort of jumped on the word capitalism and decided to spend her four minutes giving a sort of mixed, I, don't, I couldn't really interpret exactly what she was trying to say, but a sort of mixed defense of capitalism, you know, like admitting some of the flaws but then saying, you know, there's hope. And uh, it, it didn't relate to like, you know, you know, this millennial spoke up, now I need to teach him a lesson. And she was sort of giving me capitalism 101 on stage there. And, the, and I explicitly told her, you know, like I'm not looking for an extreme statement about capitalism. I'm looking just 
for areas you think that the Democrats could incorporate those younger, more left voters. Right. And I just, I got nothing about that, which was really disappointing. Well, so I like that you came out and you, you kind of revealed how uh, disingenuous these town halls are, right? That the, exactly. the people who are asking these questions are massaged very heavily to provide, right. you know, fluff questions. Like they, they tell you basically, if not verbatim what to ask, they lead you in the right. proper direction. So you have just enough agency exactly. to feel like you're doing something, but not enough. And I think that's endemic to the problem you're discussing, right? That they have this, right. they're trying to put on this big show. Uh, to exactly. Demonstrate that, they, that they've learned their lesson. Like they're coming out to meet the people, but the people are there for this big kabuki theater. Of course, but, of course. And it I mean, definitely felt that way. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, when I got there, so so initially I was already like, oh, crap, I'm going to feel like an asshole. You know, uh, I'm going to go in there. Can't, the the woman who had been, the rep from CNN who had been emailing me, she was so nice. And we spoke over the phone multiple times. And afterwards, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to feel terrible. You know, she trusted me to ask this question, and now I'm going to ask right. something else. And then I started to realize, you know, I'm sure they're putting the nicest person possible on the phone to make you, you know, feel bad if you, you know, screw something up for them. And then when I got there, uh, the guy who was organizing all the people who were asking questions and everything, also just a total sweetheart, super nice to me, had me practice my question with him, you know, it just felt like, you know, if I had not been thinking in terms of, you know, like they're trying to get me to ask this question and not cause ripples, you know, if I had just been there like a regular guest and I was thinking maybe about asking something else, I would feel terrible. You know, I, I would definitely not do it. But after I started to realize, you know, this is CNN, they're used to this. This isn't, you know, I'm not someone special to them. They're not rolling out the red carpet for me. You know, I realized it was just kind of like they're trying to make you sympathetic to them so that you don't you know mess something up for their program right well, right so we, and like like oh, go ahead Brandon. one question before let no jump back in there so we talked about the response you've gotten online from leftist twitter but in that room we saw the way yeah. jake tapper we saw the way uh nancy pelosi <laughs> uh -oh. kind of, you, you, you you broke you broke that facade of you know human, you made her have a right. human emotion wife. You, you she she had a human emotion for a second yeah. shock and so like, what yeah. was the response like in the room after you asked the question to you? Did anyone sort oh of, my God. of respond to you? Like, I imagine like, people, that, 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 like, I'm sorry, I imagine that, that's a rank and file yeah. Democrat crowd. Other people who are, who are already right. like, I'm for this, I'm here for this. And Exactly. They, they had a couple of token Republicans there to ask questions, and but the rest were all, you know, just CNN, I assume, you know, people who were friends with the journalists involved, you know, just regular, you know, insiders that they had there to attend the town hall. And immediately after I asked my question, so basically there's a guy, he's in charge, the, the one I was talking about, the rep who was there who was super nice to me. Mm -hmm. Whenever somebody asked a question, the protocol was they would come up behind you, tap your shoulder while you're sitting down, and he would bring you over to the spot to ask your question. And after you would ask your question, while Nancy Pelosi was in the middle of giving her response, he would come up and tap you again and say, okay, uh, please have a seat. Uh, Congresswoman Pelosi is going to keep answering your question just while you're in your seat so that they could make time to get the next person standing in the right spot when the camera panned back over. And uh, so I was sitting right next to the spot where people stood. So I could hear the way he was talking to people. He was very nice to them. Uh, after I asked my question, everybody else got a couple minutes to hold the mic while she was answering so that they could say something back in case her answer wasn't sufficient. <laughs> 
he, he came up right behind me right after I asked my question, took the mic from my hand and said, you can sit now. <laughs> and I, was like, I was cracking up. And, uh, but then afterwards, the crowd was actually, the, the staff at CNN was pretty professional. There was one woman who sneered at me and said, nice question, very sarcastically. But uh, the crowd was actually really negative. Uh, right when the CNN town hall had ended, because I was the last question, a woman a couple seats down from me looked over and said, young man, you know communism isn't going to pay for your student debt. And one, I mean, she's objectively wrong. And two, I was just like, wow, oh my God, I never thought of it that way. Thank you for convincing me. Like, you know, I had just gone up and explained how young people aren't being represented by the party. And you turn around as an older woman and, you know, lecture me on, you know, how silly I am for thinking capitalism isn't going to help me. Would you have and, debt in communism? Would you, <laughs> would you have student debt in communism? Exactly. I mean, exactly. Like, you know, the fact that she even said that, I was like, really? You didn't think that through very clearly. But and then uh, another gentleman handed me a business card for patriotic millionaires. <laughs> and I was cracking up about that one. And uh, <laughs> it was it was all just most, I mean, overwhelmingly negative from the crowd. CNN, of course, has to be professional. It has to, you know, it is a town hall. They have to they can't punish somebody for being a normal citizen and asking what they're concerned about. You know, that's bad press for them. But uh, the, the crowd had no reins on them, so they, they went right at me. Wow. And like I, like I said to you earlier when we first chatted that, I mean, like what you did was courageous. I mean, because I know you said you were shaking, you were nervous, but still that took, that took gumption. It took you know, courage to be able to do that because seriously, like it already takes a lot to be able to, even if you're asking a scripted or, or predetermined question, right? It already takes a lot right. to stand up and do something like that in front of a bunch of people, right. in, front, in front of on TV. I mean, that just that just takes a lot, a lot anyway. But to not only have as intelligently and succinctly, right, made such a strong point as you did. But then to also, you know, basically flip the script on everybody. I mean, that took a huge amount of courage. So, so that's what I was saying. Like, you, you really are like a folk hero because we live in a time right now where so few people have been willing to stand up right. and just say, say what's, what's, what's in their heart, say what's the right thing. Like, and, and the point that you just made, though, about the Democratic Party and not necessarily being welcoming or even being concerned or listening to what the younger generations are saying, you know, I'm right. older than the two of you. I'm like an older millennial, young Gen X somewhere. Ben and I are both on the border, <laughs> I'm the border between the two. Um, but, 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 but the student loan debt, we're, we're like that first real generation that has that student right. loan debt burden. You that got hit with the, the hike first. We got hit with it. You know, we still had the predatory credit card lenders and stuff like that. So, 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 it's that, so it's that weird, it's that weird, you know, balance. And there is all this great, well, why don't you all just do this? Or back in my day when I bought a house, I, it's like back in your day exactly. when you bought a house, tuition was like $600 a semester. So there exactly. are all these like considerations. I with minimum wage. Right. <laughs> there are all these considerations and stuff that are not being taken into concern. And you put that on French Street yesterday. So, I mean, that was what really impressed me. I was like, wow. <laughs> I mean, I'm curious. I am curious more about, you know, your ideology, your political ideology, Trevor. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I, I, I do also applaud you because. You, like, you didn't do anything impolite, right? But I think the sort of reception you got there was right. that, you, that you broke this unwritten rule of civility. Even though you right. were very civil, right. you were very polite, but exposing the Democratic right. Party's right. game, or rather 
exposing the facade was viewed as being uncivil. And exactly. but you know, regardless, you know, like just stepping out of the matrix, whatever you want to call it. So like, so what I so you said there's no love lost between you and Democrats. You seem to be, I have seen you espouse, you know, being more leaning more to the further left. So what would you describe your own ideology as? You know, how would you? <laughs> Right. I'm an unabashed Marxist. Um, you know, I, I definitely, I don't identify as a Democrat at all. Uh, I registered when I was 18 as an independent. Uh, mm -hmm. I re-registered as a Democrat to vote for Bernie Sanders in the primary, just because I thought, you know, if there was a chance that he could win the nomination, you know, we right. could really, you know, I, I basically, I saw two options before me is one third party outsider movements and two reforming the party. I thought reforming right. the party was completely unrealistic. But then Bernie Sanders shows up and uh, I was really excited about him, you know, to possibly make reforms. And so I voted for him in the primary. As soon as I'd cast my vote, I re-registered actually as a Green Party member. And uh, I think I'm, st I'm pretty sure I'm still registered as a Green, but I identify as more of like an independent leftist. But uh, yeah, no, definitely a Marxist. <laughs> I'm very comfortable with that term. And uh, yeah. I don't understand why you hate America. I just, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't you know. On a scale of one to ten, how much do you hate America? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, definitely. I, what I feel is that you know, populist economic theories like Marxism—they're—they're uh, they're really the most patriotic kind of ideology you could have. You know, supporting workers, supporting the average man—an ideology that works for mm -hmm. the majority of people instead of, you know, Democrats. You know, they claim to be the party of the working man, but right. so do the Republicans, and neither one does anything to help anybody except for the rich. So, uh, you know, for me, it really comes, you don't have to love your government. You don't have to love your military. What you have to love is the people. And, and Marxism for me is an ideology that really embraces, you know, brotherly love, sisterly love between people. And so I think it really is a patriotic ideology. Oh, no, I agree. And I think that what we saw last night and just in general is this, like, the ugly the ugly truth of the Democratic Party is that they're waging a war. The, the first battle they're fighting is on the left, right? They're fighting this insurrection. Exactly. They're, they're, they're trying to fight this leftist insurrection that Bernie Sanders started. And what people don't seem to understand, or I mean, before they fight Trump, right? Like, they're trying to fight this leftist insurrection. And right. what they, ha they they haven't seemed to learn that lesson, right? That you can't silence right. leftist populism. You can't silence mm -hmm. populism on the left because all you leave, the only true avenue for populism that you leave is on the right under this sort of right wing exactly. racist. Exactly. Absolutely. And then like and then they, they, they want you to they want people to not subscribe to the right wing racist populism simply because it's racist, but what people are hearing is populism. And it's the exactly. only way to and that sorry, yeah, and we've seen that all across the yeah. world. We've seen neoliberals exactly. take over left. Okay, no, sorry, sorry, I'm rambling, please. Oh, no, 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 I, I mean, but th that's exactly what I was trying to address in my question is basically, you know, Democrats, this election cycle allowed the right to, and that's what I, I mentioned, the, you know, the populist strain of the right. alt-right, you know, they've allowed Republicans to hijack the populist movement, and it's dangerous when you let that happen, you know, communists in the Weimar Republic were, were not, they were not vocal. And, you know, people like Hitler come out of that. You know, the workers need help. They're broke. They're starving. They look to anybody who will promise them something better. And when your politics are, ex you know, let's do exactly what we've been doing for the past eight years, even mm -hmm. though people are starving, 
you know, where else are they going to turn? They're going to turn to the opposition, especially when the opposition says, you know, we're going to end the trade deals that took your job away. We're going to get rid of the people, you know, what, whether or not it's true, it's clearly not. We're going to get rid of the people who are stealing your jobs, you know? Right. So, so people will turn to whoever promises them a brighter future. And if you promise them just a continuation of the thing that has not given them a brighter future or has even ruined their future, you know, they're not going to they're not going to support you. And that's what I was trying to get across is that, you know, the Republicans did that successfully, even though Trump is a madman. You know, he won because he appealed to those starving working people who need somewhere to turn. And if we had had a populist candidate like Bernie Sanders, who would promise the same things without the racism, without the hate, you know, and with more sound economic policies and a real stand against corruption, you know, then we would be better off. And, uh, you know, it's just frustrating to see that the Democrats gave it practically to the Republicans. And then once they see that, refuse to make any changes, you know. I mean, oh, they absolutely gave it away. Like, they absolutely gave it away. I mean, you know, we saw Secretary Clinton instead of, uh, you know, she paid a little lip service, like, okay, I did these three things, Bernie endorsed me, what more do you want? Right. But we, we we saw coming, we saw how the DNC went, and then we immediately see Republicans for Hillary, we immediately see all the touting exactly. of all these noted all top the Republicans, right, all these Republican elites who are supporting her. Right. And I'm, I'm, I'm down south, I'm in Georgia. And so we had commercials. <laughs> Most of our commercials were about Republicans who were going to vote for Hillary because as a woman, <laughs> I just I just have to. And that did nothing for down ballot races, which is why we're, we're exactly we're screwed in Congress right now. But but I mm-hmm. think what you said, though, about, you know, needing some of that message and people wanting to hear, because even though, you know, African-Americans, particularly African-American women overwhelmingly voted for her because we felt that that was our duty because we were hearing that racist message on, you know, the right. right. And we needed to keep him out but at the same time so even amongst you know our population so many people still either did not vote or did not vote for her because there are so many things that are not being addressed and like you were saying you know jobs worker worker issues um just just even thinking about some place like i I spent a lot of time in west virginia i went to law school in west Mm -hmm. virginia lived in west virginia for several years and it's Mm -hmm. fascinating you know when you're talking about you know republicans offered a different message i look at the stranglehold that democrats held in west virginia Mm -hmm. and 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 democrats in west virginia operate like republicans on a national scale on a national level in some ways well republicans in west virginia are just nuts they're just they're just nuts Mm -hmm. in their fringe but they do, they, 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 they have managed to hold on like, no, 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 don't trust what they say. Big government, they're bad. Coal is your friend. You know, this is, this is jobs and this is how you're feeding your family. Right. Because we just saw, even with 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 the with the, with the vote now to to end the, 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 the to, uh, to end the rule about you know coal byproducts and, and streams with 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 the environmental right. protection, like. There's so much so wrong with that, and everyone has newly awakened to mansion being trash. But it just thinks I just think back to what you're saying about how there's just this mechanism control with in Democratic Party and like someone like a Jill Manchin is, is a prime example of a corporatist Democrat who will use that influence and leverage it to the benefit of certain entities to the detriment of the people that they're supposed to be representing. And we see this in some place like West Virginia in terms of the environmental issues, the lack of economic diversity in, in the economy and jobs and things like that. So so it's interesting. The Democratic Party continues to double down. I mean, they just had Joe Manchin taking them on a retreat, I think, a week ago to talk oh to God. learn how to talk to working class uh, uh, white people. Um, well, so, well, I mean, you're, 
you're, I mean, you're rather young, Trevor. So, like, what? So, right. what has led you to Marxism? Like, what is what yeah. has led you to good question to your hatred so, of America? <laughs> so, um, I, I was. I I have somebody knocking at his door. Do not cause his parents any trouble. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I think I, I think I'm he's teasing you. I, know, I think I think he's very brave too, because like in a time where everyone is so focused on resisting Trump, right? Where you know people are so afraid to actively engage in this true litigation of the Democratic Party, and right. you know, and I would say like it's easy to oppose Trump because Trump is a monster, right? Just to say, you know, like where where does this sort of courage, where does this sort of you know ideology come from? So. Growing up, I, I was raised in a democratic household. I, I was introduced to politics, I think, when I was seven years old by my grandmother, actually. And she and I, for, for years and years and years, would rant about Republicans. We were very, very supportive of Democrats. I was so excited when Barack Obama was elected the first and the second time. And, uh, you know, I, I totally believed in Democrats and believed that the, the contrast they made you know, with Republicans was more important than anything. And then when I was about 16 years old, I started to, you know, question things. And, uh, you know, I was thinking, you know, my parents are still struggling really hard. Uh, you know, things aren't working out for me. And then that same year, my parents declared bankruptcy. And not, not you know, like a rich person bought a house that was too expensive kind of bankruptcy. Like, you know, just a poor family, our bills got too much and declared bankruptcy. And, uh, you know, during that, I was seeing on TV, my hero, Barack Obama, talking about, you know, these are the best years of the recovery, we finally turned mm -hmm. everything around. And my material reality around me was that that was not happening. You know, my, my dad was, he's a self-employed contractor, he does like home improvements. Uh, his business had not picked up at all. My mom's wage, she's a director of sales at a Comfort Inn. Uh, her wage was stagnant. You know, not, nothing was improving for us. In fact, things were getting much worse. And so I was thinking, you know, if this is what a recovery looks like under our system, you know, I, I would hate to see what, what failure looks like. So uh, I started to think about alternatives. And I read Marx for the first time when I was uh, 16. And I was thinking, you know, these are all the exact same critiques I have right. of the system. You know, I never realized I, that there was a theory that all my, my frustrations, uh, you know, aligned with. And so after reading the manifesto, you know, it doesn't offer any real alternatives. It's just a lot of crit criticism. And so then after reading that, I started to get into, you know, other Marxist authors. I was reading a lot of articles. And I decided ar around the age of 17 that I was a Marxist. And... Uh, by the time, you know, the presidential election started, I started to think, you know, like maybe we can mix, you know, capitalism and socialism and stuff because Bernie got me so excited. But really, you know, through the whole time, I, I, I disagreed with him. You know, I, I thought everything he offered was a positive vision. It was all an improvement on what we already had. But uh, as far as my, my end goal, my, you know, the, the reality I wanted to see it definitely we weren't perfectly aligned but uh, yeah no so so my my radicalization my I hate America phase <laughs> began, <laughs> began in high school no of course of course yeah. but uh, it began in high school no but definitely it's like it's that idea that 
I because I agree with you when I um I've been a socialist uh but a real socialist not like a Bernie Sanders pragmatist and I know like, <laughs> right. like, let's be honest Bernie Sanders is not a socialist Bernie like Gramsci's a socialist <laughs> you know like, um, right it's like Bernie Sanders is a pragmatist he's a he's a either you know FDR Democrat exactly and exactly and, and so when you tell people like well I'm to the left of Bernie on some issues they go that's crazy exactly. it's just like no it's <laughs> not because we live in a country that by all objective measures is incredibly conservative and you just don't mm -hmm. understand exactly. how conservative it is yeah and exactly but I, like I was saying before you answered your question like I think it's very you know we live in a time right now where there does have to be a rehashing of the Democratic Party and people just don't seem to be willing to do it they don't seem to be willing to take them the task for like you know their silence like their silencing of the left over the past 20 years and you, right. you know you did that like you like you in public and you didn't you didn't embarrass her obviously because she doesn't have any shame right but you but you did make her account for the fact that you know they're within the two-party system there does not seem to be an alternative to neoliberalism there's not seem exactly. to be an alternative to capitalism and Maybe if you offered one, maybe you would win. But I think that's your that's your problem right there, Trevor. You think that the Democratic Party doesn't know what it takes to win, but they do. They just don't care. Oh, <laughs> like right. they, I don't they think don't they know what it takes to win. I think they're so stuck no, I, on their own stuff. What do you think, Trevor? Do they know what yeah, it takes to win? That's what we care about. We care about what Trevor I, thinks. I know what we'll talk I do. about tonight. I, 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 I mean, I mean when when I did my interview with the Huff Post, uh, the the reporter I was speaking to, Daniel, he uh, asked me, you know, do you think the Democrats would do better if they appealed to younger voters? And I said, no, I think they know exactly. You know, I mean, they're uh, they're not going to move because they know exactly where they want to be. Mm -hmm. You know, this election it, it defied all their mathematical equations. But in the next election, I don't, I'm not so sure it will. I think they'll adjust. But I don't think that they believe that they would do better if they appeared to, appealed to the left. In fact, it's more in their interest to appeal as much to the center, you know, 50% plus one, as close to that as possible. Because if they do that, they don't have to promise as much. So for them, it's about, you know, maintaining their older base. And that's why what I explained to the, the reporter was, you know, I'm not telling Nancy Pelosi, you know, you're going to lose in the next election. What I'm saying is that the, the future of the party, you know, years from now, it doesn't have to be the next election, although it will be increasingly so next election and the election afterwards. You know, the future of the party depends on these young voters. You know, they're going to be brought into the fold, whether you like it or not. And if you don't offer something that appeals to them, somebody else will. So, you know, that that's the point I was trying to make to her is like, do you have anything now that you can say, you know, in the future, the Democrats will move left on this in order to bring those people in. And instead of even admitting that that's a necessary reality, that, that you have to bring people in if they, they join the party, you know, uh, or if they get politically active. Absolutely. You know, instead of even well, I mean, that reality. I agree, but I think... Do you think Oh, go ahead, I, 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 I think I think that you talk about their predictions being wrong and their reality being, you know, biased towards the center. But I think you walked into that. You walked into that reality when you walked into CNN, right? You you were Definitely. you burst you burst that little bubble, and you like, like, they they have the facade of communication, right? Like they talk within themselves exactly. about the government. But they're all neoliberal, so they never have to face that kind of question you asked. And mm -hmm. that's why it's so important that America and people watching saw you ask that question because you saw that they, they you burst that bubble for a little second. Like, exactly. To actually articulate why capitalism was a viable economic strategy, even though 
every, it, it, by all metrics, it's failing. And she couldn't do it because no one ever asked her that kind of question amongst her friends. Exactly. The case was very weak. But and, and I mean, it was a perfect yeah. illustration of exactly what you're talking about. You know, I cracked up so hard. The, the funniest part to me was right at the end when she tagged on, you know, we have people going around to schools and listening to young people. And I was thinking, you know, if that was an effective program, I don't think you would have answered the, the question the way you did. Right. Right. So, yeah. And so, so that was hilarious to me. So, so in looking forward, just even like, like you're just sticking with this, um, you know, young people engaging. I think there's someone, I think there was a, we, we hit a, we hit a point where the millennial, millennial population is actually the largest uh, single age group. We've, we've passed mm -hmm. baby boomers. Um, so right. what you're saying, so what you're saying about, you know, the future of the party and voting and things like that is, is very true, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of engaging and really bringing people out, you know, in strength. And just think about, right. you know, um, kids who are in high school now, right? You know, you have, you have teens in high school right now who got really excited by this election. So, I mean, we saw many right. stories about kids who couldn't actually vote themselves, but like during mm -hmm. the primary, we're like phone banging for Bernie and stuff. Right. When we get to 2018 and 2020, they will be eligible to vote. Like like you're saying, exactly. there's a whole wave of people coming in into that voting age and whether they come directly into the party or they're going to need to be recruited to support these candidates. Um, the party definitely has to change something that's good. So what do you see for yourself personally? Now, now again, you have this new celebrity. <laughs> hopefully, oh, hopefully going to use your powers for good instead of evil. Of I mean, <laughs> mix it up a little bit. You know, that's fine, too. <laughs> but you know, but but seriously though, I mean, you're in school. You know, you have you have your personal, you know, aspirations and obligations. But what do you see, you know, next? Like like now you're getting kind of plugged into all these different groups and and people and stuff. So what do you where do you kind of see yourself? I know it's only been two days, but <laughs> where do you kind of see things going? So uh, you know, I fi I got involved with the Democratic Socialists of America. Um, you know, I I don't necessarily agree with them that capitalism and socialism can work together. But what I do, you know, believe in them, you know, why I believe in them is that mm -hmm. they are moving liberals left. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, important to me. And at least it's not a capitalist alternative. You know, they, they right. want to mix the two, which is, you know, iffy, but at least they're trying to provide an alternative and it's a, a strong movement. And so for the, with them, I, I hope to, you know, do some on the ground work. I, I, I'm still not totally convinced of my celebrity status. I, th I think I'm going to, you know, disappear after a couple days. But, uh, you know, I, I do want to work with, some, you know, organizations on the ground. Uh, you know, my aspiration after, after education is to uh, run for office. But, oh, very uh, nice. Yeah, but, but that's not an immediate future type of thing. That's, you know you know, two to six years from now. So, um, yeah, and, and just, you know, state assembly or something, nothing, nothing too, too huge. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I don't, I don't see myself doing something, you know, huge and groundbreaking, but I, you know, I just want to play my part for the movement. I like that. So what do you, I mean, what do you, what do you see this? Like, like there's just, we have this, you know, Bernie Sanders insurgency. We've had this growing presence of progressive movement activity. Really, I mean, really, we've been in a post nine. you know, we're in a post 9-11 world. We've really seen right. like a boom in spurts in various years of activism and engagement. Um, mm -hmm. Probably, you know, not seen really since like the, 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 the 60s and the early 70s. So right. like, 
what do you see like as being maybe some of the strong points of this current progressive wave, this current progressive mm-hmm. movement? And what do you see as some, some things that could really maybe need to be tightened up some? So uh, for me, the, the really exciting thing, the like hell yeah movement or hell yeah moment was uh, when liberals, you know, the, the most centrist people I, on my Facebook feed were tweeting, Facebooking, whatever, their support for punching Richard Spencer. <laughs> that I was, was like, when I was like, yeah. I was going to say, I, are you down with punching Nazis? And I was like, I'm, 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 I'm going to put him on the 100%. I didn't, but, I didn't want you to say, like, no, I'm, I'm against violence. And I was like, oh, no. he's not cool. <laughs> but no, no, no. Didn't you hear Trevor? Makes you a fascist, too. Oh, that makes you a, fa- <laughs> makes you a fascist as well. Fascist makes you a fascist. It's like, but, werewolf, um, you know, different. <laughs> exactly. But no, no, I mean, for me, it was like, you know, after the election, the protests that happened the day after the, the results came in, even mm-hmm. the, the inauguration protests, I was kind right. of, you know, meh about them because, you know, half the people out there, I felt, were very much aware of the systemic issues that resulted in Trump. Right. The other half were like, you know, F Republicans. And I feel like that second view, while accurate, is not necessarily a, a very strong... Uh, a real politically aware position to come from. Absolutely. You know, like, you know, F Republicans a good starting point, but but after that you need to ask yourself, you know, why are Republicans in power? Why are Democrats not doing anything to fight Republicans in a serious way? And so for me, those protests were kind of disappointing. It was amazing to see that many people on the ground, but but I was kind of meh about it. But then when Richard Spencer got punched and I saw the overwhelming support from from people who were, you know, just middle of the road Democrats, uh, I was. I'm very hopeful now that that you know a lot of progressives. I mean, not of course, not just because of that, but since then, you know, we've seen people. I mean, at least I have in my experience, people who were, you know, not very sympathetic to the far left now jumping suddenly. To right. The far left. Right. Like like we and, actually. Yeah. Yeah, when we were in BC, we um we saw him getting punched. We were right there in the corner, yeah. Mike Sorrow and I. That's awesome. But we did not realize. Well, but, but, no, what was so crazy was we didn't realize we're yeah, just walking because it was because we were we were we were covering um the Occupy inauguration rally, and then we had walked down to mm-hmm. where the Black Block um had had started popping off, and we, we you know we were, we were we were down there, and then we were right. walking back to to meet Ben because we were all down there in DC covering. And then we were standing on the corner and we oh we look over and we see someone run up and punch somebody else in the side, you know, in, in the face. And it was like some Abercrombie looking dude. So we're like, what? We're like, what the hell? And that's what we have been seeing all day is these Trump supporters. You hear about these Trump supporters, these poor white Trump supporters, but everybody we saw for the most part had on mink coats. They were very well dressed. Like it was, it was wild. Right. But so it wasn't until we saw clips later on that night because we were we we were like you know the service the signal was being jammed we were running out of battery the battery pack had died so we were we were walking back to kind of recharge and then we looked so then we're watching footage on the night we were like oh snap that was Richard Spencer we were standing right there when it happened <laughs> but yeah it's such so a wild moment in both of you. Uh, yeah you know what mm-hmm. I mean. Because (laughs) I don't understand why you guys don't want to debate Nazis rationally just because they don't think you should exist. Exactly. I mean, (laughs) you know, like, let's debate over whether or not we belong in concentration camps. (laughs) A a reasonable, logical, rational debate with people about whether or not you should be eradicated. 
That's a, that's exactly. That's, that's, the, that's the way. That's the way you win the hearts and minds of Nazis. Well, I mean, not only that. Let's 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 debate with somebody like Milo, right? Let's let's debate about oh, whether God. or not it's okay for Ooh. you to out undocumented uh, immigrants on you know to, to out people and put them in in in, in, oh. in, 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 in you know put them in harm's way. So yeah, let's sit around and right. debate with people who want to intentionally cause other people harm. Exactly. Someone made a, someone made a statement earlier that I thought was really important. Like you know, everyone's like, oh my God. If we believe in free speech, we believe in everyone's free speech. Blah, blah. You do. You have the right to say whatever you want to say, however you want to say it. But that doesn't mean that the clapback will not be strong and severe. And we exactly. can't just allow people like this to just go pop off at the mouth at anything and everything they want to say, spewing lies. Because even just, just look at this election right. cycle, right? We have Donald Trump mm -hmm. who has said things egregious things, untrue things. And for so long, he did not get checked. Freedom of speech, people just right. let them say what they want to say. And he has informed millions. He has misinformed millions, mm -hmm. right? And this is, these are other people who have these large platforms and do the same thing. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that I'm in complete agreement with everything that happens at some of the protests or whatever, but I do believe that we need to mount an offense against this type of, of rhetoric. Man. Definitely. Yeah. Or defense. I agree. No, I'm, I'm obviously being flippant because I agree with you. Like, first of all, A, these people, whether it be Milo or Richard Spencer, are not in favor of any kind of radical multivocality where we, where we legislate all ideas in the public square. Definitely. They, they want you to listen to what they have to say. And two, we have enough problems that we haven't talked about, like capitalism, that I'm not going to mm -hmm. relitigate Nazism with you. Right, I, I'm not gonna. We, exactly. we have we have largely decided that was a bad idea. Let's not do it again. But now we now we have to listen to it. Now we have to re-listen to it because a pretty boy with a with a, you know a Crispin Glover in uh, Back to the Future haircut. <laughs> like, it's just like no, like, oh no, thank God. you. You know, you have <laughs> no idea how how much the gay community hates this man. <laughs> he is, I mean, Milo, yeah, or Richardson. I can only Milo imagine. I can only imagine. Yeah. He, I, I definitely can only. I'm sure his face is on like target bo target boards and stuff like that. <laughs> like him and Peter Thiel. Like I'm just. So oh, I'm, I'm no. just gonna butt in real quick. A couple questions from the chat. Um, obviously, this of is course. not Benjamin Dixon, even though his picture's on the screen. Um, <laughs> but we don't. We don't actually have a chat because something went wrong when we launched the stream. But we do have some comments at the bottom underneath. Mm -hmm. Um, they wanted to know how um, to find Trevor online. I did give his uh, Twitter handle out, but I didn't know if he was available or or can be contacted elsewhere. Okay, uh, I mean, my Facebook. If you type type in probably Trevor Hill NYU, I'll, I'll probably be one of the first results. Uh, I mean, my Twitter handle. You already put that out. Either platform is perfect for me. Uh, I don't really use, I use my Instagram. I think it's Trevor Who, one word. But, uh, you know, Twitter and Facebook are the best ways to reach out to me. And it's Trevor, not Travis. Don't, don't be like yes, a stupid, Trevor, not Travis. Don't be a silly old woman like me, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but. And one of our regular followers, um, Stop the War on Women's Rights, says, this young man gives me hope for our future. Absolutely. Oh, I appreciate that. Absolutely. And, and yeah, I, mean, I think should... that's why people have gravitated towards you because you are like a breath of fresh air right now. It's definitely needed. Well, well and that's the thing that's so frustrating, though, is that I, I really shouldn't be a fresh, a breath of fresh Absolutely. air. You know, there there are so many people out here, out there, who think exactly the way that I do, that you guys do, and they're just not given being given the microphone. You know, they're not mm -hmm. being given airtime. 
And, you know, what, what frustrated me the most was the moment when Hillary Clinton was announced as the, the winner of the, the primary campaign for the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. And the first interview she had was on CNN. And they asked her, uh, what are you going to do to bring in all those young people, all the millennials, all the people mm-hmm. on Bernie's side who had criticisms of you that you weren't far left enough? You know, what are you going to do to bring those people in? And she said, well, you know, I don't think I have to do anything. I won. <laughs> and so, you know, that yeah. all these people have been from that moment, especially once we lost the one politician who was actually speaking to our needs, you know, from that moment onwards, we've been ignored completely. You know, yeah. I, I started, you know, after that, I started unfollowing a lot of the major news organizations because, you know, they're not relevant to me. They're not relevant to the reality I live in. You know, the people they interview, the the pundits on their their, you know, little programs, None of them speak to any of the things that concern me. And so, I mean, of course, they speak to things like Donald Trump, which is important. But but as far as, like, the, the actual direction our country is going in, beyond right. who's going to be president, you know, they're not speaking to any of the frustrations that young people have. So, you know, for me, that was that was really frustrating. Yeah, I mean, I can only imagine, and I don't have to imagine because it's frustrating. Yeah, <laughs> it really, it, it, really it, it just really is. So Jay Z and Beyonce throwing a concert at the last minute in the Cleveland didn't do it for you. <laughs> no, unfortunately <laughs> not. Uh, my my celebrity Katie worship Perry, of Beyonce. Lena Dunham didn't do it for you. If Miley no. Cyrus couldn't convince me, then no one can be convinced by anything. And I think Miley oh Cyrus God. is so cute. <laughs> See now, look at look, I learned something new about Brandon every day. <laughs> but um, any final thoughts or words before we close out? Um, you know, just if if you're a millennial, if you're frustrated with the things, the way things are going, you know, you're not alone. Even though you're not seeing it on TV, even though you're not seeing it through major publications online, if that's where you follow the news, you know. The, the movement is strong. There are a lot of us. We're the future. Uh, don't give up. Don't give up on ideals that you have about the way that our society should look in the future. Don't capitulate to establishment ideas. You know, we're in this together, and, and you're, you're definitely not alone. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I, um, I mean, I know you probably got better things to do on a Thursday night to hit, no, sit here no, and chat with so us, much. but I appreciate you guys. So much. I appreciate of you. So much. And you are welcome to join us. Um, oh, thank you. You know, this is more future, fun than any interview so. I've had so far. <laughs> oh, yay, Brandon, we're more fun. Yay. I'm fine. And you're definitely welcome to write for our website. That's, that would be great if you want to pin. Oh, I, I love to write little rants. I'll, I'm down for well, it. Definitely, we'll definitely publish them. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Uh, you're not on the editorial board. How can you? <laughs> no, but as the producer, no, but here is our managing editor right here. As the producer, <laughs> managing editor, yeah, we, we we can definitely get in touch. <laughs> and, I appreciate that. So we also have a blog, progressivearmy.com, um, and uh-huh. we have a host of contributors and op-eds and writers and stuff like that. You mm-hmm. know, really been trying to focus on not just. Um, the national stuff, but we've had a lot of really great local pieces. We've had some pieces out of like the whole Florida Dem race. We've had some stuff from like Washington and like basically the whole California uprising with all oh, those boy. seats that were snatched up. Oh, you know, so 
Yeah, that well, it definitely, it actually really is hope for you. Like some of the stuff yeah. is going like, like it was really good to hear you saying that, you know, in two to six years, possibly you'd want to run for office because mm-hmm. that's what we need. We need no, no offense to, to my elders. You know, I, there are so many they're <laughs> wonderful people who like Bernie, who's been in office, but they've been in office forever. We need mm-hmm. new people going in. So, so yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll shoot you the information about submission stuff. If you ever have anything that you want to drop or whatever. Thank you so much. Thanks for well, having me on. Thank you for joining us. So yeah, Brandon and I have a good night. Awesome. Oh, Brandon and I, night. no, 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 you're fine. Like we really, like seriously, this was fun. I'm awake now <laughs> and I won't mention your name again, Trevor. <laughs> I'm going to start saying God smack. I'm awake. I'm awake. <laughs> Before your time, why you don't know God? No, we only have our producer for like a few minutes. So, I, Brent and I were going to rant okay. about Donald Trump and Black History Month for a second. But so oh, you're welcome yeah. to hang out for a little bit longer. If you you're welcome to hang out for if you want to for that part I am, too. I'm here. I'll listen. Awesome. <laughs> so, um, David, I know I, we don't have that much time, so we don't necessarily have to play his remarks, but we can just. Mm-hmm. I so like to be let me see if I can make it work with 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 uh, Hangouts on Air. I like okay. You I like liked his speak? speech on, on Black History Month because I I taught at the university level and I had a bunch of freshmen at one time and it's it's exactly what you hear when you assign reading and they they only half read it and like <laughs> skim it or like read the first two pages of the chapter and then they try to fill it in with things they remember from other lectures and it's just like yeah, <laughs> uh, Frederick Douglass like he's. It, he's still around, and I, I, like, I swear to God, he thinks, he thinks that Dr. Cornell West is Frederick Douglass. It's like I, I swear. I mean that hair, you know that hair. <laughs> if you've ever seen a picture, <laughs> that hair doesn't. But no, like, well, like what, yeah. what, what, what? Like I tried to do like a rant video last night or whatever, and I was trying to do my own version of like reading it, and my daughter was like, "No, you need to do a split screen. You need to do it this way. You need to do it this way." But what? But reading his thing, because I refuse to listen to the remarks, but I'm going to have to listen to it probably. But reading it and then seeing about the was it the Cleveland pastor or whatever that said he the real the real drug thugs got in touch with him and want to meet with with the president like that whole scenario just seen from the clip just from the short snippets i saw seemed staged right like i immediately Mm -hmm. thought about how the fact that he had his cia speech and he had his own like what sound machine or whatever clapping and laughing for him like i really felt like that whole scene was scripted like there's a woman and everyone's like who the band of black people that he found right like he (laughs) he went and found he's he really had where did he scavenge to find these people to sit here Mm -hmm. and coon for him on black for black history month like like what is going on Amarosa is just, he's like, Amarosa is just very special to me. I'm like, I bet you Amarosa is very special to you. <laughs> you like, want to give it a try? Yeah, we can give it a try. <laughs> I think it's, it's so, it's so weird because like at first it was funny. It's like America went from Twilight Zone to Outer Limits to Black Mirror in like 10 days. It's real, it's real hard. It's real hard for me to understand how we got to this point so quickly. I won't be, I will not be surprised if there's a Black Mirror episode like this. It, when when the next new season comes comes back because this is just such this is just so rich this is the for in for in terms of TV this is like the gift that gives on, keeps on giving. Are you seeing oh, wow. uh, Donald Trump on your screen? Yeah, I yes, want to see Donald Trump and oh, and Ben Carson. Oh, this should work then. Let's give it a shot. And I 
can imagine meeting the president, actually getting to sit in the White House is, is, is like really exciting, even if the president is a total moronic douchebag. Um, mm-hmm. Like, but still, I don't, I don't really. Yeah. I should totally have been Carson's job, but like, I have a master. <laughs> I actually have a master's degree in urban planning, but you know, whatever. You do that. <laughs> Like, I actually know something about public housing. In Chicago, no less. But how many brain transplants have you performed? None. 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 But I actually know about them real thugs in Uh, Chicago in public housing. I'll tell you that I know the answer. He performed one too few if that's the brain that Donald Trump has. (laughs) Okay, so here he goes. Okay. Well, the election, uh, we, it came out really well. Next time we'll triple it up or quadruple it. Right? That's right. And if you want to get over 51, right? At least 51. Well, this is Black History Month. So this is our little breakfast, our little get together. Hi, Lynn. How are you? Hi, how are you, Nice to see you. And just a few notes. So during this month, we honor the tremendous history of the African Americans throughout our country. Throughout the world, if you really think about it, right? <laughs> this story is one of unimaginable sacrifice, hard work, and faith in America. I've got a real glimpse during the campaign. I go around with them to a lot of different places that I wasn't so familiar with. They're incredible people. And I want to thank Ben Carson, who's going to be heading up HUD. That's a big job. And it's a job that's not only housing, it's Mind and spirit. Nobody's going to be better than that. Last week we celebrated the life of Reverend Martin Luther King, whose incredible example is unique in American history. You read all about Dr. Martin Luther King uh, a week ago when uh, somebody said I took the statue out of my office. It turned out that that was fake news. (laughs) (laughs) Fake news. That she was cherished. What a narcissist. I just had a, <laughs> I just had an amazing idea. What's up? Okay, so I realize it now. So I always talk about how we have to relitigate Obama because Obama is the system and Trump is the extreme of the system, the excess of the system. Like you can't, like, like Trump is way worse than Obama is by every metric. And, but if you were standing metaphorically where Trump he's is, way worse you could, than George Bush. Yeah, <laughs> like, he's yeah you could. Like you could, you can see George Bush and Obama from where Trump is, but he's way far. But again, excess of the system. But here Trump. it is. Trump is satire. Trump is like a like a satiric is a satire of America. Oh it's, yeah. It's, 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 just, it's, like, it's just satirical at this point. It's like it's it's not funny, but it's extreme. It's like it's like was it a common? Well, not common sense. I'm thinking of let, the one by. Let, about let's eating, let's about get eating babies. Not over with because I can only stand. My so- proposal. My proposal by. Jonathan Swift. <laughs> I can only stand, stand so much of this man, so let's just, yeah. I love David. David makes such sacrifices for us. The <laughs> statue, the bust of Dr. Martin Luther King was taken out of the office and uh, it was uh, never even touched. So I think it was a disgrace, but that's the way the press is very unfortunate. Uh, I am very proud now that we have a museum, the National Mall, where People can learn about Reverend King, so many other things. Frederick Doug- Douglass is an example of somebody who's done an amazing job and is being recognized. He's reading these remarks. <laughs> like, who the hell is this? And millions more black Americans who made America what it is today. 
big impact. I'm proud to honor this marriage, and we'll be honoring it more and more as the folks at the table. Almost all cases of great friends and supporters. And uh, Daryl, I met Daryl when he was defending me on television. <laughs> <laughs> and the people that were on the other side of the argument didn't have a chance, right? So, uh, Daryl. Amazing job in a very hostile CNN community. He's <laughs> <laughs> all by himself. Uh, seven people at Paris, and I'll, I'll take Paris over the CNN. <laughs> but I don't watch CNN. So I don't think a CNN. racist Michael Scott in the office. Fox has treated me very nice wherever Fox is. Thank you. Uh, we're going to need better schools, and we need them soon. We need. More jobs, we need better wages, like better wages. We work very hard in the inner city. Ben's going to be doing that big league, big time. It's one of his big, big things that people are looking at. We need safer communities, and we're going to do that with law enforcement. We're going to make it safe. We're going to make it much better than it is right now. Right now, it's terrible. And uh, I saw you talking about it the other night, Paris, and something else that was really a fantastic job the other night on a very unrelated show. <laughs> a very unrelated show. Like, what is he talking about? <laughs> I stopped listening. What happened? <laughs> but just like, everything saying he's going to honor African Americans. He loves Dr. King because he has a statue and he has a Lincoln statue and a Jefferson statue and he has a Dr. King statue. And you know, you know, I'm like, how did this give him Frederick Douglass of all people to talk about, right? <laughs> like, like you clearly, he clearly knows nothing about Frederick Douglass, right? Like they just randomly, these are also the people that don't want Harriet Tubman on a $20 bill, right? I would put this out there. I don't think the people who are making fun of him know that much about Frederick Douglass either. I think everyone kind of rolled in on it, but the number of people who but know. People, they, you know, they know, those, they know those quotes. You know, they know they enough know to know what he doesn't know. They know that he was like an abolition. They know the basics, right? Like you learn about him the way we know with W.E.B. Du Bois or Du Bois, and like that's really when that's I know it's Du Bois, but like really, unless you're kind of mired in that, like I doubt people are really that holy, that familiar with uh, Douglas. They just know he doesn't know either. And then they look, Where's they look Bannon at? Why is, it, why is Steve Bannon not at this meeting? Bannon can't even be out in direct sunlight. So I don't, know why, he, so I don't, <laughs> I don't even know. I was going to say because he hates black people, but like, like, I'm not saying he's a vampire. I'm just saying that this no, we can. We don't have to finish it, David. I, okay. I, say, we don't, I mean, there's there's the part so with the... Like, you know, like, after this part, like after this, you know, the there's, a, like, there's a, like, a round table. It's a round table breakfast with his, with his you know, band, the black sycophants. And like like one woman is she works for one of the son's uh, charity. I have no clue what she's actually really doing. Um, but then, but but the, the one person I wanted to talk about was the guy who admitted that he lied uh, without saying he lied is Pastor Daryl. I think because I think it's Daryl who, who is the pastor. From, right? Yeah, that's the one he was complimenting. That's the one from Cleveland. And you know, he leans in and he's like, you know, you know, and now he's from Cleveland. He's actually from Cleveland Heights outside of Cleveland, right? So not even the city proper. Talking about gangs in Chicago have reached out to him because you know the real deal thugs or whatever he he said something he said something that nobody who actually deals with any type of inner city issues would actually ever say. But he said some real deal thugs or some nonsense like that. They reached out to him because he knows that he has the president's ear and they really respect him and they want to work with him because they want to get some social programs in the community. And he's like, so they're going to drop the body count? They want to drop the body Yeah, they're going to drop the body count. <laughs> Who That'd the be hell amazing are these people? 
But he admitted, so he walks it back. He admitted that he was just talking because he was tired. Was this was this Pastor Ben Carson in disguise? <laughs> no, but he was sitting on the cross. <laughs> like, 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 like a fake beard on. But they maybe he, but he had that other pastor that was like in South Carolina, another black pastor down in South Carolina who was a surrogate who lied like about his whole resume or whatever. Like he attracts lot. He's a liar. He attracts liars. But I really wouldn't believe I really wouldn't wouldn't like if part of that was like staged, like that whole mm-hmm. whole thing was scripted. And so like I wouldn't be surprised if so much of what we'll, what we'll see from him is scripted in some ways. Um, because his ego, his ego, I don't think can handle it. Well, I think all of our politics are scripted, right? I think Trevor proves that he's here. I think like all like our entire political that's system true, is largely I, scripted, and and, and I think that and we've cultivated this culture where it makes sense that we have a reality reality TV star, you know, as the president. And I think that people who don't really understand that don't really understand, you know, are looking at it very shallowly because on the left, one of the reasons why Clinton was elevated because she was popular. They, like people knew who she was. People knew her face and her name, and that made her more viable. And like they didn't really think that that extended to the other side. And so, like it's right. this sort of this sort of uh, uneven understanding of the way people are engaging in politics in America that are, I don't know, crippling people. To to be fair, I think Trump did diverge from the script when he said African Americans across the world. <laughs> he pulled the Trevor. He pulled the Trevor. He, he, he pulled the Trevor. He's like, nah, I'm going rogue on this yeah, one, guys. Yeah, I, he was, I guess because, because of the flat that he's getting, probably right. He tried to improvise or whatever. But the exactly. problem is like, yeah, he definitely tried to improvise or whatever. And it's just like, like, well, let's just back up for a second. Who the hell wrote those remarks? Did he write them? Did like did did, did uh, Baron write them for him? Was Baron's like what eleven or something like that? Like that's Baron's like, sixth grade Black History Month report. <laughs> he gets his homework done early. Yo, these these these, these Black History Month reports. Um, Max was in fifth grade, and that's what's so funny. So 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 we have we have Trump's right b- b- buffoonery, right? But then we have the vice president. We have Pence tweeting out. On Black History Month, Vice President of the United States is tweeting out his Black History Month tweet, and it's about Abraham Lincoln and the Thirteenth Amendment. And it's just like, <laughs> so it's Black History Month. You couldn't just Google. You just couldn't look up. I mean, you, the Google Doodle yesterday was, was was a famous Black sculptor. You you couldn't just just retweet that. Like there's like no effort. There, there are there are sites full of today in Black History stuff, but but he shouts out. Abraham Lincoln in the 13th Amendment. Like, it was just such because, a... Because white saviors are more important than the actual black activists. <laughs> <laughs> well, the crazy thing was, like, I always love to talk about Lincoln. Lincoln Lincoln is a very interesting person, right? Like, and I love to talk about Lincoln. I learned so much about Lincoln helping Max with his, my son with his fifth grade uh, 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 <laughs> history report several years, or a couple years ago. And, you know, just even what, what it took for Lincoln to even get to the point where he was even in favor of something like the 13th, of, of the precursors oh, of the 13th yeah. Amendment. Like, a lot of people don't get that. Everything, everyone's like, well, Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, but he had an evolution that he had to come to. Mm-hmm. And Frederick Douglass, you know, back to Trump's new favorite. <laughs> um, I wouldn't be surprised if Frederick Douglass makes him a, a, a guest appearance at the White House soon. <laughs> <laughs> But but you know he had to really hammer it in blackface. I, I don't know why, but that popped into my head when you said that. With a, with a wig and stuff, yeah, like like I I really I could see Trump doing like historical reenactments with his newfound oh. found friends. Oh. Um, 
you know, talking about how, you know, we got to honor and cherish the confession. I wouldn't be surprised. Like, the, what's it called? Drunk History from Comedy Central? Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> but, but, Drunk History. <laughs> but, like, this was just so, and I think, Brandon, you have a really good point about how most of our politics is scripted. Like, it really is. Like, even these moments, I, I just think about, we just had better script writers, right? We had better screenwriters before now. Right. This well, is like we some, went from right. Twilight Zone to outer to, to outer limits to the Black Mirror, and now like in it's well, Black Mirror is actually very well written. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, no, yeah, no, but, no, but I get what you're saying though. It, it's, it's incredibly extreme and very unsubtle. It was my point. It is. It is. When it is. Compared I mean, to the satire that existed in Twilight Zone, it's very on, Black Mirror is very on the nose. And like you know, Twilight Zone was like, oh, you know. Uh, Technology might be bad, not so good, or maybe you know the biggest the human being is the worst is like the worst uh, monster. And Black Mirror is like, I'm gonna have a politician fuck a pig, and it's like, <laughs> first episode, <laughs> like I, what? Oh dear, 2016 is gonna Trump be weird. Any, don't give Trump any 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 any, but but it's just that you know there there are all these like people out there, these voices like oh we should give him a chance because we still have some of those right, particularly when you talk about some mm-hmm. of these black I guess pseudo progressive leftists whatever who are like you know we need to hear them out the Democrats never did anything for us pause just because the Democrats have never really done anything does not mean we now go see what Team Trump well, is going to do because Team mean, Trump's think- not li- they're not actually going to do anything except well, I mean, for. I think- Declare martial law and hoard people out of the neighborhood so it can be redeveloped. I mean, well, let's just be real about what's about to happen. Well, the thing is, and this is, you know, a, a problem on the left. Well, not the left, but a problem with Democrats, the, the rank and file Democrats, is that the Democratic establishment have taught their base learned helplessness and radical yeah. civ- radical civility. It's yeah. just like, there, like, there's very little Trump can do. I, well, I mean, we'll have these moments that people are, it's going to take a long time for people to go, okay, the rules have changed and they changed a long time ago. Now we're catching up that we can't act this way anymore because we're in unreasonable times and that there's nothing mature. And I know this is a, criti- a critic I, I label at Bernie Sanders too. There's nothing mature about, and, and there's nothing inherently mature about compromise. And I think right. when it comes to the left or rather liberals, they think that, there's something inherently mature about compromise and something inherently mature about civility obsessed with maturity and compromise. And that's always the, the you know, the prison they label at the far left. You're immature, you're idealistic, you're childlike. Mm-hmm. It's just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's nothing mature about preemptive compromise. There's nothing mature about meeting someone halfway when the halfway mark is literal insanity. It's like, you know, right. like sometimes, like something, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I say it's about Bernie Sanders when it comes to like conceding Hillary Clinton. I was like, People, you know, a lot of people, he followed his words. Like, well, that's make that that's what's odd. He shouldn't have. It's like, he's like, he shouldn't have followed. He's like, he shouldn't have. He's like, he shouldn't have followed. Because like, you don't, you don't give your word to scoundrels. And then when they, they come up, they cheated you. You go, okay, like, well, if I'll keep my word. It's like, no, 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 no. Because that's part of democratic, that's part of democratic establishment's mm-hmm. problem, right? They want to convince you that they're the only game in town. And that's why litigating their problems mm-hmm. is so important. Because look, if we're going to defeat Trump, we have to defeat the status quo and we have to defeat neoliberalism because that will only lead to more right-wing neo-fascism. There is no answer there. It can't happen. No, Nancy Pelosi cannot help you defeat Trump. She is just the precursor to Trump, right? Well, and, and they're so- not even really competent in their ability to even like actually resist, right? Because they can't even control their own party. Right. Like the Democrats are not in a position to really mount a real offense because you do mm-hmm. have your rogue people like like Manchin and others who are not going to like get in line and then they're not they don't really have much to offer to Republicans to get to entice them to come over to their side either so it's like Mm -hmm. 
And now you have like the day he announces his Supreme Court pick, you have people saying, well, you know, I mean, he's fair at least and he's not that bad. You've mm-hmm. had you've had a couple of Democrats talk about how nice Sessions is. So it's just like, how are you really ever going to believe and be able to lead any type of resistance where you're not even willing to mm-hmm. utilize or you, you don't even have the ability to leverage any type of real um, right. muscle in, in this fight? Like, basically, it's just mm-hmm. like, what are you good for? And I think that's what's so exciting right now, too, is that we're seeing, mm-hmm. you know, people realizing that the Democrats are not the opposition. You know, once you've got the extreme, you've got the fascist, Nazi, whatever you want to call them, once you've got them with the stranglehold on power, you don't turn to the centrists who are saying, let's negotiate, you know? So, and I think that's what's super exciting about our time right now is that people are finally looking for alternatives for opposition. Yeah, I mean, Trevor makes a good point. Like, they're not the opposition, they're just the other side of the coin. Exactly. Right? And that's not, that's, not, that's not the same thing. Because, like, you know, they're just certain, mm-hmm. they're, if you rely on them to get you out of this, you know, this mess, there are just certain things that will never get touched. There are certain things that the Democrats and Republicans agree upon implicitly, and they simply will never be the object of discourse because that's just what their world is like. And, you know, we talk about the Democrats not resisting the first five, not resisting, God, not resisting the first <laughs> five uh, Trump appointees. And that's very simple because there's no anti-authoritarian lobby. Like there's no, there's mm-hmm. besides the ACLU and who you know who really cares until they got that all that cash. But there's no anti there's no anti fascist mm-hmm. lobby. There's no anti surveillance state lobby. Like, like right. and so people like people are looking a lot to you know resisting DeVos, resisting uh no Tilson got resisting Price, the EPA pick. But really, I think yeah, there are special interest groups who are opposed to them for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. Some of them are not you know great reasons. Some of them are, you know, again, capitalist reasons, but like the first five in sessions are a real problem because they demonstrate that the on certain mm-hmm. issues the, the on certain issues Democrats are just willing to cave because they it doesn't mean anything to them. Like it's right. like, well, you know, just more surveillance state, we're okay with that. It's cool. <laughs> it's like they're not watching us. Or they are actually I, wait, they are. I forgot about that. <laughs> the CIA was illegally spying on the Congress. Right. Yeah well yeah, life is hard for everybody. You know, one camera instead of two. What a compromise! <laughs> and, and, and none in their bathrooms. Look at the benefits you get when you run for the office. I can see why Trevor wants to be a member of the government. You know, I got to deal with cameras all over my bathrooms and my toilet and my shower. But Trevor gets just gets them in the you know the main rooms of the house. Typical. <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna wind it. Yeah, we're going to wrap it up now because, you know, David has stayed over late to help us out as always, (laughs) super producer that he is. Trevor, thank you so much for joining us. Seriously, the the offer is open to come back. You got an idea, you want to talk about something, you know, hit us up and let us know because this is, Brandon and I just like to kick it and have fun. So, um, I mean, it's not all we're about. We get serious too, but you're definitely welcome (laughs) to come back. This was very, this was very cool. Thank you. It was lovely meeting you. Thank you you so much. I'm also in New York City. Nice meeting you. Oh, are you? Yeah. We should hang out sometime. Yeah, Brandon's Brandon's in New York. Brandon's a PhD. Are you finished? You're finished. I'm I'm, I'm a candidate. I'm I'm, I'm an AMUD candidate. I'm a PhD candidate. I go to to some organizing. I do some organizing stuff in NYU. 
this whole uh, this whole hangout right. actually in New York except for Anoa. Hmm. Yeah, no, and, and, and our producer, I know I need to move back, right? And our producer um, <laughs> is also in New York too. I'm the only one. I'm I'm down in Atlanta, so but not uh, really. He's in Yonkers. So let's you know let's wrap up for the night. Uh, <laughs> why you, why you playing? My mama. That's where my mama's from. My mama's from Yonkers. I'm not in Yonkers. <laughs> I'm not giving out my address, friend. And I appreciate that. <laughs> if you don't get your address online, but when where, where will you get oh, your address? Look, I feel like the government look, doesn't have look. it. Like he got real street cred, and I'll say it offline. I won't. I won't put his other location out on blast. But he got real cred. Does he, does he also run with the crime drugs thugs? <laughs> no, he doesn't. He doesn't. But I just want to say one more thing. Like that whole thing is just like you know, you know, you, you, like like I'm not really fond of my years in Chicago growing up. I was very angry. We were originally from New York. We we grew up in New York. My parents moved to Chicago, and I was like, why the hell did you do this to us? So I'm like, oh my god. We lost you, Anoa. Yeah. I will say this though: my least favorite rap group is the Crime Drug Thugs. <laughs> they're, they're too underground, experimental. But I think, I don't we think lost Anoa can hear us either because she's still talking. She's still talking, but oh, I think yeah. we should wrap it up tonight. So it was yep. wonderful meeting you, Trevor. Uh, thank you. We love to have you on again. Uh, have a well lovely night. Thank you for staying up with us. Thank uh, you so much. You too. Up David. Nope, that's it. Good night, Professor. <laughs> Good night. Okay.